Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Welcome back to episode number six of the No Quarter Given Podcast. I'm Jason Powers, Peter Blake. We're here to host. We got the Philadelphia Eagles coming up in week six, Peter. Oh, baby. There's lots of history there, isn't there, Jason Powers? Woo! All the way back to 1979 with Ron Jaworski, up to the 2000s with all the playoff heartbreak and then the veteran stadium. Rondé Barber, we're going to talk about John Gruden uh, and all the ties with Gruden and the Eagles as well. So we have a full episode for you here to break down all things Bucks and Eagles. Agree. I'm ready to go. I'm, I've been ready to go with this game on Thursday night. Of course, Thursday night football with Jalen Hurts, but you're exactly right. So much history to talk about, Jason, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Philadelphia Eagles. All right, so before we get to the game, before we get to last week's game against the Miami Dolphins, the quick recap, we got to hit on John Gruden with all the breaking news with John Gruden resigning as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night with all this, you know, the scandalous emails that have come out in the last couple of days. Just your quick thoughts on that whole situation with John Gruden in Las Vegas. Sad. Sad. Yeah, sad, disturbing. Uh, it makes you mad because some of the comments you read, not only homophobic, race-related, uh, women involved in that, naked cheerleaders from Bruce Allen from the Washington football team, which is why the NFL discovered it in the first place, doing an investigation with the Washington football team. And because he is associated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and winning Super Bowl thirty-seven. It's disappointing because now instead of talking about the greatness of that team and what they did during that season, now people are going to focus on Gruden and these comments that are horrific. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And as, as we're recording this on Tuesday night, the Bucks have just announced in the last couple of hours, they are going to be removing John Gruden from the ring of honor. Um, so that's, that's going to be happening. You, I'm sure but his name and all things John Gruden related will be removed by the stadium in the next day, probably tomorrow morning will probably be, there will be a crew out there doing all that, the necessary things to remove him from the stadium as well. So just a sad situation, you know, it, all, all things, you know, considered, you know, obviously there's a lot of connection between John Gruden and the Eagles in the box. He started his OC career with the Eagles, obviously with his days with, as the Buccaneer head coach, you know, you got a lot of connections with players and, and personnel. The new coach in Oakland is Rich Passaccia, who was part of the Gruden staff here. You know, I would question why is Rich Passaccia being named the interim coach? Did he not probably hear, know, been around Gruden when some of those comments were being made? Because it couldn't be only email comments that were being made at some point over the course of time. So I'm a little surprised that Passaccia, who is a right-hand man, of John Gruden for many, many years was named interim coach of the Raiders. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a locker room culture. Uh, you know, let's not be naive about this, Jason. I mean, this set has been, you know, it's been set in the locker room. And, you know, I get it. It's personal emails, but you can't get away with this now. You just can't get away with it. And some of the things that were being said are just reprehensible. You just, uh, you, you can't, the NFL had to go to Mark Davis and say, you know what? You got to get rid of this guy. You got to do something because to allow him to coach, with all the controversy going on. And, you know, my main problem is the NFL's consistency, the hypocrisy, if you will, with their decision-making when it comes to controversial subjects like this. No, you're right. They've got to, they've got to, they've got to do a better job of, and again, John Gruden deserves what he's getting, no doubt about it, but whatever other people are involved in this Washington investigation, if they are caught saying things they shouldn't have said on email, they need to face the same punishment, the same, consequences that john gruden's facing yeah no i agree with that and i think it you know a lot of people will say you know do you take out warren Sapp because of the off the field issues uh you know this team made that decision to take off gruden why is antonio brown and richard sherman still associated with them but you know i, I get it i understand it the optics of the situation are not good and you know nothing can uh can, you can't defend gruden on this because they're right there black and white and you just wonder how many emails and I kind of wonder why NFL hasn't taken a stand on a Daniel Snyder. Why is he still an owner? And if it takes this long and these type of emails to get him out, it's just a it's just a messy situation. It's a big time black eye for the National Football League, and they need to do something about it. And John Gruden is the person I didn't think was gonna, you know, be the one that basically falls on the sword. But here we are. No, you're right. It's 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 an unfortunate situation. All right, let's get to some more happy. Let's get to some more positive things. Yes, Buccaneers four and one on the season. A very emphatic 45-17 drubbing of the Miami Dolphins Sunday at Raymond James. Tom Brady with another tremendous performance. Five touchdowns, over 400 yards passing. Looked great. Evans with two touchdowns. Antonio Brown with a big game. The running game was solid. The defense was solid. Your thoughts, Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers four and one. Look, it was close in the third quarter, right? I mean, 24 to 17, you were kind of, man, maybe Miami can get into this game, but then the Bucs blow them out. And once again, talking about the way that Tom Brady is playing at 44 years old, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, completely amazing. Still has the arm strength. The offensive line did a great job. I thought this was a good defense, Jason Powers, especially on the back end. They could not defend Brown. They could not defend Evans and Godwin. And right. even we had an appearance of OJ Howard. And the great thing about this win, you know, uh, last two wins here, you have balance to your offense with Leonard Fournette stepping up. No, it's not the VOV, the victim of volume of Ronald Jones. It's Leonard Fournette. He is absolutely becoming a dependable option. And he's becoming the bell cow runner. I never thought I would say that for this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. Two, two, two minor, two things to be concerned, not concerned, but a couple things. One, I like that Jamel Dean came back, played well, had an interception. That's going to help that secondary because it sounds like Carlton Davis and Murphy Bunning are still going to be out for a while. So you got Bunting, you got Richard Sherman, uh, Antoine Winfield's going to be iffy whether he plays Thursday night, but he's, if he doesn't play Thursday, he'll definitely play the following week. Yeah. One concern, Levante David hurts his ankle not playing Thursday night, probably going to miss a couple of weeks. You know, that's not the worst injury in the world, but it's an ankle injury. He's an older player. You never know how those are going to react. 
And Tom Brady had a little thumb issue where he banged his thumb on a helmet. Sounds like it's okay, but you never know. It swells up, another kind of hit like that. So that's just something to be aware of heading into Thursday night. And it's a short week, so you don't know how the Bucs are going to react. Of course, they've had their fair share of problems playing on prime time. It's not like the Philadelphia Eagles are a rollover. They just defeated the Carolina Panthers on the road. They have Jalen Hurts. The Bucs have their fair share of injuries. They may get Gronk back, but I doubt it. I think you rest him this game yep. to give him that full 10 days until you play again on a Sunday so you're a little bit concerned with the Brady injury, of course. He still is playing at a high level. But Levante David, you know, being the heart and soul of this defense, if you will, the veteran presence with a high ankle sprain, it could be six to eight weeks. We don't know. So that's a big-time loss. And now Devin White and Kevin Minter are going to have to step into those shoes and play uh, basically lights out. Not that Devin White can't, you know, but the concern is at the end of the day, the coverage so we'll see how these two linebackers can react without uh, David uh, on this team. And I think you'll see, I, I think you'll see KJ Britt, the draft pick from Auburn, get some opportunity at linebacker alongside Devin White. I think they want to see KJ Britt in action. I think they'd rather keep Minter as a as a kind of a as a swing linebacker as opposed to having to play the entire game. Plus, he's valuable on special teams. So I think you're going to see Minter. I mean, KJ Britt maybe a little more opportunity here early to, to see if he can prove to the coaches, hey, that he's ready to play. Yeah, and it's a situation where, look, you're going to have to prepare for it. It's a next man up mentality. We heard from Todd Bowles last week on the back end and, and the injuries on this team that guys got to step up and play. And look, nobody's going to feel sorry for this team. They're still the uh, defending Super yep. Bowl champions. They're still four and one. And that Eagles team wants to uh, give them their best effort. And they're going to do that on Thursday night. So we'll see how it works out with this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team, if they can continue uh, to put a W in the, in the column here. All right, let's get to Philadelphia. The history of us and the Eagles yes. goes back to 1977. Our first regular season meeting, Randy Hedberg. I don't know who the hell Randy Hedberg is, but apparently he made his first uh, start with the Buccaneers at quarterback. Remember 76 and 77, there was a carousel of quarterbacks, Steve Spurrier, Parnell Dickerson, Randy Hedberg, those kind of guys. Not a good start for Randy in his one start, 70 yards passing to the to, against the Eagles in that 77 game. Things got better though. Doug Williams came in the mix. We 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 you know we finally make a playoff run in 1979. Yep. John McKay and the boys. They faced the Eagles in the divisional round. I remember that game as a young kid. Ron Jaworski came to Tampa Stadium and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get it done in the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. Yeah, 24 to 17 on the strength of Ricky Bell's power running. And of course, that defense, which was top ranked that year. And I always go back to it. What could have been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers in that Super Bowl, both defensive units and everything like that. But you're exactly right. That game against the Philadelphia Eagles, it really shocked a lot of people because they thought the Bucs were just an expansion team, a flash in the pan. There was no way they could beat the Eagles, and they get it done 24-17 to 17 at the old Sombrero. With the, again, famous Ron Jaworski, Dick Vermeil was the coach. You remember Harold Carmichael, Walter, I mean, uh, Wilbur Montgomery running back. So they had a good team. Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl a couple years later in 81 against the Raiders. And obviously the Bucs 
go on to lose that NFC title game to the Rams, which we previewed in a previous episode. They lost that game at home. Remember, they had home field, they had a home game. They lose nine nothing to the Rams on three three field goals by Frank Corral. Yep, exactly. And Jack Youngblood is playing with a broken leg, which is amazing in itself. But uh, yeah, that was a good. That was a big win though back then for them. And yep. I always remember, you know, going back to the library, grabbing the book with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, going to that '79 season, and the first thing you see is them not only clinching the division but also defeating the Philadelphia Eagles 24 to 17. And uh, it was great back then. All the orange, all the, the creamsicle and bucko Bruce. people were excited. They were pumped up. And remember, if you want to go to any game with the Philly, with the Buccaneers in the Philly series or any of the other uh, rivalries any, all across the league, buckpower.com, Paul Stewart's the creator of that site. He's the kind of guy that put us together to do this podcast. We're yep. part of the buckpower.com podcast network. All things Buccaneers, video clips, audio clips, stats, rosters, everything, buckpower.com. The place, yeah. the unofficial historian for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, relive your uh, historic moments when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Relive your childhood through buckpower.com. Paul Stewart does a great job. And once again, I heard he's coming down here in just a couple of weeks uh, for Monday Night Football and the New York Giants. So we definitely all got to get together. And who knows? Maybe do the no quarter given podcast yeah. together. That'd be great. All right. 1988, a down, down meeting with the Eagles. The Eagles, uh, the, the Eagles lead 8-7 in the overall all-time meeting. But in 1988, the Bucks season opener. We're down 34 nothing at the freaking half. Are you kidding me? That's typical Bucks football back then. I mean, and again, if they were at home, you were listening on radio at that juncture, and uh, that was typical. So I really try to forget about those games. But, you know, you kind of just kind of dig into that, that, uh, that scab, if you will, when you talk about it. It kind of it brings back those bad memories of my childhood yeah. listening about this team. Not watching them because they were blacked out back then, but listening. Year two of, of Ray Perkins. Remember 1988, the Eagles. That was I think that was when Buddy Ryan took over. He had just taken over the Eagles. I'm pretty sure. They, would, they, you know, they had all that, those great defensive players, Clyde Simmons, Seth uh, Joyner, Reggie White. They were a beast on defense. I think Randall Cunningham was the quarterback at the time. So they were an up-and-coming team in the NFC. The Eagles were with Buddy Ryan, 34-0 Ray Perkins year two. Yeah, was that not the year that Vinny threw over 30 interceptions? Probably. That that makes that, that sounds about right. I mean, he didn't have the 30 for 30 club. He just had the 30 interceptions. First win comes in 1991. Chris Chandler. Comes off the bench, throws two late touchdowns. The famous Chris Chandler. Guy went on to fame with the with the Colts. We got him from the Colts. He went on to the Atlanta Falcons to lead the Falcons to the Super Bowl later in the 1990s. He was a solid player. Chris Chandler out of Washington. You know, there was lots of hope out with Chandler. They had Chandler and, and Vinny Testaverde together. You know, that was that whole that whole era. They could never figure out what to do with Chris Chandler. I always heard their locker room was a mess with Chandler and Testaverde. I yeah. mean, it was a mess because when you have that situation going on and you're trading two first-round picks for Chris Chandler, you feel like, look, this guy's going to be our starter. So why are you trading two first-round yeah. picks for a quarterback 
when he already drafted one a couple of years earlier. I mean, this is typical Tampa Bay Buccaneer football organization-wise back then. What was it? Phil Kruger was the uh, GM. I, I felt like he was Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and that was year two of Richard Williamson. The Richard Williamson era hmm. was in his, in his second and last year in 91 before Sam Weiss comes aboard in 1992. All right, let's go to the 1995 Game in Philadelphia. John Gruden is the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. For those of you that don't remember that, Gruden was the was the coach. Again, Sam Weish was our was the coach of the Buccaneers. Would have been Sam's last year as the head coach before Tony Dungy comes aboard. You know, the remember John Gruden was like what thirty years old when he was the offensive coordinator. He was kind of the, old. Yeah, that was like the that was like the start of the boy wonder. We all thought the up-and-coming boy, boy. I think Ray Rhodes was the coach of the Eagles at the time. You're right. And, and everybody knew John Gruden was going to be kind of on the on the upswing. And, and, and obviously, he became the coach of the Raiders a couple years later. But, you know, we saw the first glimpses of John Gruden as an offensive genius back in the day. And obviously, with all the stuff going on now. Uh, not in this game he wasn't. He wasn't a genius in this game. And, of course, he was working with Randall Cunningham. And I remember Warren Sapp showing some flashes of brilliance, I believe, in the – well, no. Yeah, no, this is his rookie year, right? Right. I believe he sacked Randall Cunningham uh, a time there, and he was showing flashes of brilliance. And I also remember High Seahorse Copeland. Yeah. And also their free agent addition from Green Bay, who was – Jackie Harris. There you go. Very Tight end. Good. Yes. Who didn't yes. necessarily work out. All right. So, yep. So we get to the late 90s. The Bucks, Eagles are both on the on, on the on the incline. Playoff teams. Dungy's in charge. The, the Eagles with Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb. We go through all the playoff heartbreak. Dungy, Mike Shula. We lose a couple games in a row in the playoffs. Back-to-back years in Philadelphia, we finally exercised the demons in 2002 with John Gruden now as the head coach coming back to Philadelphia. Your thoughts heading into that NFC title game? Did you think, my God, are we ever going to end this disastrous nightmare against the Eagles? Well, I tell you what, we should go back to the year before. And I, I, I want to go back to that because I know we're going to spend 2002, but I remember the 31 to nine. And I remember feeling like this team is never going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. It doesn't matter. In the postseason, they have no shot. And you heard the rumors that week that the Glazers were basically looking at Bill Parcells once again, because the Bucs flirted with them. They had flirtations with them in the early nineties when he left the New York giants and was with NBC and I remember Keyshawn saying, this guy that's coming here is going to change the focus or whatever else. And then, of course, Bill Parcells leaves you at the altar. You get John Gruden. So you're like, okay, you get John Gruden. That year, they lost 20-10. to 10, And I also believe they lost Brad Johnson to an injury. Derek Brooks was banged up in that game. And the way they started it was so buck, right? Brian Mitchell, who was with the Washington Redskins, gets a big special teams return to Staley goes in and you're like oh no they're down seven to nothing here we go again and then all of a sudden you get a, a touchdown to match up you get Joe Jervicious with that big play to set up that touchdown which is yep. amazing in itself with um 
his uh, his premature uh, baby in the hospital, of course, rest in peace, passes away. Uh, but that was the story for that guy to play through, to have that 71-yard reception. Biggest play of the game changed the momentum at that point. Yeah. And then he kind of calmed down once the Bucks took the lead. They basically never looked back, but Rondé Barber, 92 yards. It was in doubt at that point, Jason Powell. It was. That the Eagles were going to come back. Rondé makes the play, and I remember when that play happens, I've got my Bucks shirt on. I got basketball shorts on. I have no idea at the time because it's actually a little bit chilly outside. <laughs> I'm running outside my house screaming like a maniac because at that point, uh, the the it was over. Uh, ding dong, the witch is dead. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl, and every Bucks fan knew once you defeated the Eagles, just like uh, the Bucks defeated the Saints last year, they were going to win the Super Bowl. There was nothing stopping them. So that play probably is the greatest play in Tampa Bay sports history. You, you, that's definitely a top five, or if it's not the number one, definitely in the top five. And the other thing about that was that was the last game ever played at the Vets. Yes. Shut so, down the Vets. Right. And you had the House of Horrors. It was horrible there. They could never win in the postseason. Offensively, they were terrible. Donovan McNabb with his wide receivers, it didn't matter who he was throwing to. They would always catch on this defense. The defense couldn't get it done. The offense was inept. It was just terrible. And for them to come out of that with a win, 27 to 10, was so freaking sweet. And obviously the Bucs go on the next the next week to beat the, the Raiders in the Super Bowl and all that good stuff that happened in the Super Bowl. First game of the next year, they open up the Lincoln Financial Field Monday night football week one. The Bucks go back to Philadelphia and throw a shutout. Mm. Two more Joe Jaravicious touchdowns. Remember, Jaravicious went to Penn State, so he had the Pennsylvania ties. What a what a what a comeback to come back to Philadelphia and shut and start off the link with a, with a shutout victory with the devastating defense. And you thought that year, the way they opened up that they were going to win another Super Bowl, And of course it didn't necessarily work out that way. In fact, they missed the playoffs, which, you know, crazy to say most teams uh, that win the Super Bowl, they usually have a Super Bowl hangover. It was disappointing at injuries that year. Yeah. So it didn't necessarily work out, but that was an unbelievable game. Of course, on Monday night football, national television to open up. Yeah, the NFL was doing no favors, but the Bucs didn't care. They did whatever they wanted to. And I remember Warren Sapp and Joe Jarvis, like you said, catching those two amazing touchdowns, uh, his footwork. I mean, he was so underrated as a player. People talked about Keaton McCardell as they should, Keyshawn Johnson, even Michael Pittman, but you definitely had to talk about Joe Jarvis and what he meant to this team. So underrated. Perfect number three receiver. Perfect yeah. slot guy. Perfect. Reliable hands, was a blocker. Very similar to me to Chris Godwin. A little bit, you know, very similar to Chris Godwin. You know, on a lot of teams, he would have been a number, a really good number two guy, um, but a perfect number three man in a, in a terrible matchup for most teams' third corners. He absolutely worked in Gruden's offense, and you give Gruden credit for that because he got lots of free agents by the name of, again, Keenan McCardell, Ken Dilger, Ricky Dudley. Charlie Garner. Charlie Garner, well. That didn't necessarily work out that year, but Michael Pittman, yep. of course, getting rid of a war done. And, you know, Jared Vicious from the New York Giants. How would the Giants let him out of that building? I will never know, but thank you very much, New York football Giants, 
for letting him out of that building because he was special and he had some special moments in Bucks history, especially against the Eagles. Let's go to 2006, the famous kick late. If you listen to the Powers on Sports podcast, you will hear the Gene Deckerhoff call. So you got to listen to my intro of the Powers on Sports podcast. The intro has the Gene Deckerhoff and Hardy Nickerson call of the 62-yard game winner in Tampa at the gun. Buccaneers win the game with Rondé Barber, two interception returns for touchdowns. Yeah, Rondé Barber had a special game. And, of course, uh, you never would think that Matt Bryant, 62 yards, is going to hit this field goal. You're like, eh, you know, kind of like the other day when the Bucs try a 60-yard field goal with Bradley Pinion. Eh, there's no way. That season was terrible. The year yep. before, they were division winner. After that, 2006, they weren't good. So that was the highlight of the year. And to see the ball go up, and you're like, no way. No way. And he's got the distance, and it goes through. And the whole place went crazy. And to hear Gene and Hardy Nickerson say, hallelujah. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was and awesome. the current, and the current Bucks analyst, Dave Moore, who yeah. we both have, we both, if you want listen to all the broadcasts, obviously we, all the Buck fans know Dave Moore is the, the analyst now with Gene. Dave was the snapper. He was the oh. long snapper for that field goal. Beautiful, beautiful. And I will never understand why the Bucks got rid of Matt Bryant because he was, he's not only one of the most consistent kickers for them, but in NFL history. And then of course they get rid of him. And their kicking woes start, and uh, now thank God for Ryan Suckup. But that's right. No, that, you're right. That was a disaster. So only a couple meetings here lately. They they played in 15 and 18. The Buccaneers won both of those meetings. That was one was Lovey Smith. One was Dirk Cutter uh, in charge. Again, the Bucks were not very good those years. The Eagles, you know, were up have been up and down the last few years. Just your thoughts, just about the rivalry in general. What's to me. The playoff matchups were always are always the things I'm gonna remember about this rivalry as we move as we go through the years. Yeah, pretty much one sided when it comes to postseason. But you go back to 2015. That's Jameis Winston's rookie year. You see flashes of brilliance, five touchdowns. Doug Martin running wild. Levante David making a big defensive play, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe this guy no interceptions that game. Wow, Jameis Winston no interceptions, five touchdowns. Okay, they're gonna do something. Of course, they finished off six and ten. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick that year, I'm in the press box, and I believe it's the first play of the game, Deshaun Jackson and Fitzpatrick. You know, those first three games threw for 400 yards. He was really on a roll. Yeah. Him and Deshaun Jackson that year had something special, uh, especially against the Saints and once again against the Eagles. And remember that game, nobody was giving the the box a chance because what, weren't the Eagles but the year before, the, the Super Bowl champions? And the Bucs defeat them as they go 2-0 and to surprise the whole National Football League with defeating the Saints on the road and beating the Eagles at home. So there was definitely some good memories. And you had to hold on tight because that defense wasn't great, but they were good enough to shut down the Eagles that day. All right, so let's get to, let's get to Thursday night. What do you see? Again, short week. I think that probably simplifies the game plan both offensively and defensively. To me, the key to the game is – containing J- Jalen Hurts. You, you can't let him be a dual threat. Make him be a passer. You know, you got to contain him on the on, with the pass rush. Make him throw the ball. Yeah, and Devontae Smith is an impressive rookie at wide receiver, so keep an eye on that matchup. Who's going to cover him? Is it going to be Richard Sherman, Jamel Dean? 
Um, and then on top of it, like you said, hurts his mobility, the things that he can do. Uh, and that defense is pretty good. So that offensive line is going to have their yep. work cut out for him. And once yep. again, you got to protect the Tom Brady. But the Bucks, at the end of the day, even though it's a short week, should win this game pretty handily. Of course, Jason Powers, we know on Thursday Night Football, anything can happen, and it usually favors the home team. So we'll see. But I think the Bucks win this by 10 or at least 15 points. This offense is unstoppable. Even with the Brady injury, I think he's going to be effective, and it's going to come down to, once again, being balanced with Leonard Fournette, uh, most likely Leonard Fournette seeing the majority of the carries. For sure, for sure. And again, um, Eagles defense played really well against the, 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 the Carolina Panthers. Carolina had a really opportunities early in that game to blow that game open, and they couldn't do it. Sam Darnold did not play very well. But I, like, you, like you said, I think the Buccaneers, with their depth of receivers, the tight ends, the, run, the balanced attack, again, they do have a good front four. Fletcher Cox is good. Josh Sweat, a, a legitimate player. So if you, keep, if you don't let those guys wreck the game, you give Brady time. I think he'll carve up that Philadelphia secondary. Absolutely. I definitely think he can do that. And the underutilized Miles Sanders, who's a running back, uh, who you know hasn't seen a lot of carries from that Philadelphia Eagle yep. offense. Keep him in check. This uh, run defense right now has been amazing. Miami did nothing. New England did nothing. That's where you start right there. You start with the running game, making them one-dimensional. And this is a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience, so it'll be interesting to see what Todd Bowles and this uh, right. defense cooks up for him on Thursday night. Absolutely. All right, Pierre, tell them where they can find you. Tell them about the pregame on Thursday night at Duckies. Yes, pregame show live on NSPN from Ducky Sports Lounge, 1719 uh, West Kennedy Boulevard in Tampa. And, of course, it's the evolution. Sports talk, television, do three things for me. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. Appreciate it, Peter. Thanks, audience, for, for checking us out. Remember, guys, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast for us. We'd love to hear some feedback. If you want to send us some feedback, you can send it on Twitter, at JPOSports. For, again, retweet our, you know, forward our, our, our podcast links to your friends. If you're a Buccaneers fan, buckpower.com for statistics, video clips, audio clips. We're here every week previewing the Buccaneer opponent. Again, this week's the Philadelphia Eagles. Next week, we got the Chicago Bears coming to Tampa uh, as well. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I know it's a short week. We will have this podcast up. Check it out. No quarter given podcast. I'm your host, Jason Peter Blake, saying so long, and we'll see you next week. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another no-quarter-given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.